Alright, what's up guys? It's Anna, and I'm back again for another episode. We're doing wide receivers this week, and uh, this week it's not Faraz joining us, but it's Berto, the fantasy football rapper. What's up? Thank you for joining me, rapper. Yo, what's up, man? You looking fresh with that cut, bro. Absolutely. I just got my first haircut in four months. I think it was first haircut in four months just two days ago, or yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. So, it feels good. I can feel arrogant. So, that's, uh, that's <laughs> all good. Let's talk about the throne for a quick second. So, you've made some good picks the last couple picks. Um, who are some of the guys you got recently, right? Like, uh, Antonio Gibson was one of them. Yeah, we got Antonio Gibson, I think, uh, in the late 10, 10.8, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then we went uh, Hunter Renfro with 11.5, uh, Danny Dimes at 12.8, and then Dallas Goddard at 13.5. I think all of those uh, present tremendous upside and uh, value as well where we got them. Yeah, I, we were eyeing uh, Dallas Goddard, actually. It's funny that you uh, said that because obviously we have Zach Ertz. And we were considering going for three tight ends if one of them was going to be uh, Goddard as the backup. So maybe we'll work out a trade sometime during the season. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. You, you <laughs> like took the him first me last season. I had to get him back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but either way, your team's coming out pretty nice. It's going to be an interesting year. But um, so I, I know I sent you my top 15 wide receivers list because that's what we're doing today. And I noticed you have a few guys who didn't make our list, so mm-hmm. well, didn't make my list. So at the end, we're going to talk about those guys that rapper loves. And uh, yeah, so first we're going to start with the top two, which is just you know we'll, we'll just get straight into it here. It's Michael Thomas and Devonta Adams. Mm-hmm. You can kind of put them flip flop either way. Obviously, Michael Thomas is going to be the easy favorite considering what he did last year, breaking the receiving record in terms of uh, catches. So. He did have a monster year with Breeze, and even if the targets take a slight dip, he could still easily finish as a wide receiver one. His connection with Breeze is insane. He he did have a 32% target share, which is a lot higher than anybody else in the league, so that's bound to go down. Um, but what's the case for Devontae Adams here? What's the case for Devontae Adams being the wide receiver one? Because I know that's something you said earlier on, uh, I think it was your story. Yeah, um... So for me, the only reason I wouldn't put him as a wide receiver one is because I think Michael Thomas is a little more secure. He never gets injured. Uh, Devontae Adams, even before last season, he hadn't suffered a major injury, but he seemed to always like be dinged up, whether it's with a concussion or whatever the case may be. So the reason why I think you can make a case for him, though, Injury aside, it's just the way he finished last year. When he came, when he finally was healthy, the amount of targets he gets, and I'm sorry, you know, this might not be a popular um, statement amongst uh, the fantasy community, but I think Aaron Rodgers is just a better quarterback than Drew Brees. I think he's going to have more depth per target. Uh, he's an end zone machine or a touchdown machine. So I just really like what I saw out of Adams, and they got nothing else. Green Bay did not draft a receiver. They didn't sign a receiver. Alan Lazard's okay. I'm not not touching Devin Funches. So I just think it's going to be Adams, Adams, and a lot more Adams as opposed to Michael Thomas. Yeah, he'll get his, no doubt. But Kamara, hopefully, will be healthy. Emmanuel Sanders, I don't really see as a big a deal. But they also got Jared Cook. So uh, I think a case definitely could be made for Devontae Adams. 
And another thing, too, is you mentioned the touchdowns. That's a department where Michael Thomas kind of lacks a little bit. I think he had, like, six last year. But Adams is a guy who could easily finish with 10-plus touchdowns if given the chance. So he had a 29% target share, so he wasn't too far off from Michael mm-hmm. Thomas's 32%. Um, and like I like what you said about Rodgers, because if you put Rodgers in the same situation where Drew Brees is, you give him that offensive line, you give him those weapons, I mean, I think <laughs> he'd be like that the QB1. I think the main thing is the system. The I just system don't too, yeah. think, you know, Matt LaFleur, I know we could easily blame Rodgers because, you know, first we blame Mike McCarthy, and now mm-hmm. he didn't really do that great with Matt LaFleur. But Matt LaFleur... You know, this same he had the same Tennessee offense more or less, and you know he kind of shit the bed. Can I say shit on this podcast? Um, yeah. He kind of <laughs> shit the bed uh, last season. So, uh, but yeah, I definitely think with Sean Payton, Rogers to do his thing. Absolutely, and that's a interesting debate. I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about. But let's let's move on to the next tier. I guess we'll do this by tier. Years, but we'll have a group of guys here. So next tier for me at least seems to be Julio, Tyreek Hill, and uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So I have Julio third. I know you're one of the people who have him outside your top five. Uh, I'll, I'll make the case for Julio real quick. So I'll, I'll say that there's just way too many vacated targets in Atlanta for him to fail. I, I think it's like 200 plus between Devontae Freeman, Hayden Hurst, and whatever Muhammad Sanu left halfway through the season. Um, and you know, I, I stand by the vacated targets because they still have Dirk Cutter and they're still going to throw the ball 600 plus times over the year. They had like 680 last year. And even if they don't get that much, it's still plenty for Julio to get his fair share. He's still playing at a high level. And uh, yeah, he had the second most targets last year. On top of that, if it's a boom year for Matt Ryan, like if you know the trend where it's, it seems like every other year he booms. And I don't want to use that as hard statistics i know you're not even a statistics guy but it's just a funny coincidence because literally every single year since 2012 it's been boom outside top 10 boom outside top 10 so theoretically it's a boom year and i mean the, the sky's the limit for julio like always but what's the case for him outside the top five well i think you know it comes to a matter of Getting a pl- getting rid of a player too early or too late. Like the reason I have him is he is getting up there in age. Uh, he hasn't missed many games, but he has taken you know that body has taken a pounding. Um, and you know you mentioned the vacated targets, but is there really that many vacated targets? Because yes, Freeman's gone, but they replaced him with Gurley. Hooper's gone, but they replaced him with Hurst. Sanu wasn't really nobody. They got Gage, Russell Gage, I think is the guy that that. Had a pretty good year last year. So I don't really think there's really any vacated targets. And then you add the fact that they also uh, – I expect Calvin really to continue to emerge. Now, they do have Dirk Cotter. I do think they're going to throw the ball a ton. I don't think that's going to change. But I do think Ridley's going to eat into that target share. And remember, Julio did great last year, but Hooper missed significant time. Really missed significant time. Sanu was traded, so it really was a perfect storm. Add all that to the fact that he had the softest playoff schedule ever. So I think, you know, I don't expect the whole team to get injured. The Mm -hmm. defense is going to be bad, but I would at least assume they're going to be a little bit better. And then the age thing, if you add all that together, to me, he's not worth the top five pick. I'd much rather have a guy like Chris Godwin um, DeAndre Hopkins, who I think you have one step below her, even Juju Smith-Schuster, Kenny Galladay, these guys are on the 
ascension model. Um, I know you can make the argument against Juju, but I think that had more to do with injuries and, and the absence of Ben. Absolutely. So if you don't have Julio outside, inside your top five, where is Julio? I mean, I don't even know if you have like a set pair of rankings. Is he outside the top 10? Is he still yeah. inside the top 10? Outside yeah. 10? He's he's outside 10. He might be outside my top 12. He may just barely make my top 15. Because before all the injuries happened, I think it was up to like week 8, 9, 10. I don't remember. I I looked it up. But Julio was actually a wide receiver too for most of the year. It wasn't until Calvin Ridley got injured that he then, you know, took off. So, yeah, I, I, I just... Again, it's just me. I like younger players. And I think I saw an interesting stat the other day. Out of receivers over the age of 30, I think maybe two, two or three were wide receiver twos or higher. So, and I think Julio's special. Don't get me wrong. I think he's special. And I think he could still be, you know, a high wide receiver two, a low wide receiver one. But, you know, and I think you also we also have to ask ourselves. Different people do rankings differently, so I take injuries into account. So let's say Julio was to play all 16 games, assuming like in a perfect world, then I would probably yeah I'd probably have him in my top 12 for sure. But I do take the injury risk and the age into account, so that's why I have to drop him a little lower. Yeah, I, I know turf toe was something that got him uh, i think it was two years back and he was even there was even talks of it uh of that bothering him going to this year i think he had procedures done on his toe and stuff like that mm-hmm. so that's pretty serious stuff for a toe but um I, I will add one more thing on julio i think if you ask anyone in the league right now who who's like the most talented wide receiver i, I think a lot of people would still say julio but i definitely understand the point of uh, how he started the year and uh you know a lot of injuries caused him to see an uptick in target share so it's interesting Interesting. No, he's still he's still super talented. I'm not gonna argue that. But actually, at the end of the day, it's 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 points, it's targets, it's receptions, it's touchdowns, and you know all that comes into play. Absolutely. So, two other guys I want to mention before we go on to the next tier. Uh, Tyreek Hill. Who? Okay. So first, when I had Tyreek Hill, I was looking at him from the outside in, and I'm saying like, okay, you know, every year he's a boomer bust weekly guy. And if he's really boom or bust with a guy like Patrick Mahomes, how can we actually trust him? Like, if he's Pat Mahomes wide receiver one, and we know it's technically Travis Kelsey, right? We know Travis Kelsey's the number one target there. But if he can't produce on a week-to-week basis, even if one game's 40, one game's four, it kind of, you know, it, it puts me in doubt about drafting him as my wide receiver one because you want someone consistent who can keep you afloat every single week. But then I looked into his games last year, and he, he got hurt week one. He was out for a couple games. But when he came back... This is weeks uh, six to t- see. Yeah, so in weeks six to weeks 10, he averaged 25 points a game. And then even after that point, after the bye, he didn't have a single game under 10 points. So uh, Hill seems to have gotten more consistent last year, which is great and what we wanted to see from him. And on top of that, last year wasn't even Mahomes' best year, right? He was injured for most of the year, whatever. And um, Mahomes also said something which is so funny. I think it was after the Super Bowl. He said, I didn't learn to read defenses until halfway into last year. So mm. I, I think that's why Mahomes, I don't know if there's really another step for him to take, but with Tyreek Hill healthy as that wide receiver one, and this is, we're talking about this guy, this is all coronavirus aside. Like if there's something specific that we want to mention 
for COVID or how it could affect the players. We'll get into that. But this is assuming, you know, we can't predict who's going to get COVID and who's not. So point being, a healthy Tyreek Hill going into the season, I, I think he could definitely be a top three wide receiver. Uh, he definitely has the talent and potential, but um, yes, he might not have had that many games under 10 points, but see how many games he had. Cause I remember looking at this, I don't have the stats right off the top of my head, but I feel like he had a lot of low uh, double digit games, like between 10 and 14 points. So I wouldn't label him a boomer bust per se, but I do think he relies on those those huge games, those 30 points games uh, that he tends to have. So I like the fact that he could win you any given week, mm-hmm. but I would still prefer uh, a target hog like Godwin, like what I believe D-Hop will continue to be in Arizona, like um, a Juju, um, and maybe I would still take him over Galladay. So I think Tyreek for me would be like, you know, uh, fifth, fourth or fifth, something like that. So mm-hmm. God would, yeah. So probably about my wide receiver five, but he's definitely, you know, home run, what I call a home run hitter a guy that can win you any given week. Cause he's that good. Yeah. So I, I actually have his uh, games in front of me right now between weeks in six to 10 he had 25, 16, 26, 26, 33. So he had a really good span there. But you, you are right at about the end of the year. So uh, 13 through 17, if you really want to count 17, he had 10, 10, 13, 12, and 23. So he, he ended off the year not on as high of a note. For Tyreek Hill, I'd say it's a little bit of an improvement in terms of, you know, he could have four game points one game and then 40 the next. So a little more consistency isn't bad. But uh, I definitely understand wanting that every single week. So I didn't even look into what games Mahomes was active in that streak either. So uh, there's a lot of factors in play. He has some big games with uh, who's the backup? He has some really big games. Who even the backup? I don't even remember who the backup I forgot. It's pretty decent. He played pretty good. I I just drew a blank. I have to know um, now. This is something I have to know. I have my (laughs) stat sheet in front of me. Uh, Matt Moore. Matt Moore, yeah. Matt Moore actually looked pretty good. And some of Tyree's biggest games came with Matt Moore, coincidentally. <laughs> All right, but how do we feel about DeAndre Hopkins? So I've seen some people say – I saw a bold prediction by someone that said DeAndre Hopkins is going to be this year's Odell Beckham Jr., referring to yeah. Odell Beckham's first-year struggle with Cleveland. But, I mean, I just don't see a way he fails. If The only way he fails for me is if Air Raid fails. And I don't see Air Raid – air raid failing with Cliff Kingsbury. Kyler Murray's going to take that second step. And, you know, on, on top of that, Cliff Kingsbury is going to the second year as a starter. They have DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk. He has too many weapons, too, too many guys around him for him not to succeed. And DeAndre Hopkins is going to get the targets, even if it's not the target share he had in Houston, even if they're not jamming him the ball every single play, he's going to get more meaningful targets. And I think that's where um, he's going to benefit. So I, I have Hopkins at five. Where do you have Hopkins? Yeah, I'd probably have him like three, that three to five range as well. I think the last rankings I did, which, you know, I feel like rankings, I end up wanting to change them right after I do them. Like, it's because I go by tiers. So to me, there's really not much difference between like Godwin, Galladay, and Juju. And, and you know, I, you know, so it's, it's, the difference is so small that I end up moving them all around. But I love Hopkins this year. And here's why. I heard somebody say also that 
there's too many mouths to feed in in Arizona, which I think is completely um, BS. Because okay, they got old man Fitz, and then they got Christian. I mean, Christian Kirk's a nice player, but I don't think you're saying, oh, we got to feed Christian Kirk, so we need to take away some of those targets from DeAndre. I just don't see that. And I also think Kyler is a special quarterback, and special quarterbacks find a way to get their receivers the football. He's a very accurate quarterback. He's going to be able to buy time with his legs, which means that'll buy DeAndre Hopkins, who's a technician, a tremendous route runner, extra time to get open. He's a guy that gets double-digit touchdowns almost every year, and I don't expect his target share to go down because it wasn't even that high compared to other years in Houston's last year. So I actually think DeAndre Hopkins is about as safe as they come. And you know what you just said about the air raid. You know they're going to sling the football. So I think DeAndre Hopkins is DeAndre Hopkins. And this Odell comparison is ridiculous. I agree. I, I don't think that's going to be the case either. Um, just real quick, can you hear me okay? Uh, you did kind of your, – your voice kind of went down a little bit. Okay. It was better before. Just having some – minor issues um, i think it's, it's better now the next guy i want to talk about is kenny galladay so if you want to take the lead on that i'll get my shit figured out cool well kenny galladay is a guy we actually drafted and thrown 2.8 and surprisingly a lot of people we get a lot of hate you know they they nickname me the fantasy uh what do they call me the fantasy football reacher instead the of reacher that, or, yeah that's me. yeah <laughs> um well that took off because a lot of people are saying it um but uh, that was one of the picks, surprisingly, that, that got a lot of uh, good good feedback, and rightfully so. I mean, Kenny Galladay is a player that has improved every single year he's been in the league. Those are the type of players I like to get that are what I call ascending, you know. Um, and to think, he led the league in touchdowns, even though it was only 11, and he yeah. didn't have a starting quarterback for half of the year. So you have a starting quarterback the half of the year. Look at all these stats. He led the league, I believe, in depth per target as well. He led the league in uh, contested catches. Like, he's one of the few players that I've seen. Like, he passes the eye test in that I've seen him go up against the team's top corners and be completely guarded or covered. Matt Stafford will still throw the ball because that's what he's used to doing. He did it with Calvin Johnson. He's doing that with Kenny Galladay. And Kenny Galladay still finds a way to come up with the football. He's a physical specimen. He's 6'4". He's blazing. He has blazing speed, and he has just that length. His catch radius is absolutely ridiculous. I expect him to take another leap forward, especially if Matt Stafford can stay healthy for you know the full 16 games. And then that defense is still pretty trashy. They're going to be in a lot of shootouts. Um, Marvin Jones has been dinged up the last couple of years as well, so I expect the 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 targets to go up. And he already has the depth of targets. He's an end zone threat due to his size. And he's a deep threat due to his speed. And I absolutely love Galladay this year to be that yeah. top five, six range. I'm on board with Galladay. I think he could easily. And by the way, can you hear me better now? Yeah, much better. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just want to make sure before we keep talking. But, um, yeah, so Galladay is someone who could easily fit into that top three, top five range. So if you look at some more into last season, I think Matthew Stafford, he had 18 touchdowns in, I think he played eight games. Or 19 mm-hmm. touchdowns in eight games. He was on pace for 38 touchdowns last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, big help from Galladay in that perspective. And another thing with Galladay, too, is he had a 56% catch rate. That's pretty low, you know, in comparison to all the other top-tier 
wide receivers. So assuming, and a lot of that can be attributed to the quarterbacks he was playing with, like you said. So uh, I think David Blau had like a 59% completion percentage. And then um, Jeff Driscoll had a 54% completion percentage. So better quarterback play means that catch percentage goes up. He gets more catches, he gets more yardage. And then, you know, there's no reason for the touchdowns to go down either, like you said. So I, he could easily get 10-plus touchdowns, and he can improve on the catches, improve on the receptions. Uh, I, I only see improving for him. And, I mean, a lot of times people look at, like, 10, what do you have, like, 12 touchdowns? And they see that, and they say, like, there's uh, 11, no way. Yeah. He, 11, yeah. So mm-hmm. they see that, and they're like, there's no way he could get better from that point. But it's, it's not even about that because it's the opportunity, and it's what Stafford brings to the table with him on the field. So definitely love uh, Galladay. But here's another guy you really like. You have him way higher than I have him. Um, but, you know, seven's not terrible. But I have Chris Godwin here, number seven. Uh, obviously, he had a huge breakout year last year. He's going to be starting in the slot. Um, he can take any pass to the house. My only concern with Godwin, right, and I guess it would be, first of all, that with without James Winston, it is a downgrade in terms of fantasy. Like, James Winston is one of those guys who's going to pump it out with like 45 times a game if he needs to. They, uh, I think they were among the top in terms of pass, pretend, uh, pass attempt. They were over 600 for sure. But um, on top of that, like they're going to run more 12 personnel, and Tom Brady's going to spread the ball a little more. So I'm, I don't necessarily think Gronk is a huge threat. If you looked at his last year in New England, it wasn't anything special. But if they're running 12 personnel, that means they're not going to have anyone playing in the slot. Not that Godwin can't succeed on the outside, but I know a big part of Brady's game is targeting the slot, especially we saw that with Edelman, whatever. He's 43. He's not the type of guy to be chucking it downfield every single play. Not that he can. He's still in great shape. But um, that, that's my only worry with Godwin. There's no worry with the talent. And uh, if it's a Chris Godwin versus Mike Evans debate, Mike Evans was total boomer bust last year. So I, I'd be all over Godwin over Evans for sure. But it's even if they're both playing on the outside. So what, what's a, give, give us a little more in Godwin. Um, well, you know, I think the pass attempts will still be there. I don't think the pass attempts are going to go down because that's just Arian's track record. I mean, look at whose quarterbacks were. Ben Roethlisberger, Andrew Love, Carson Palmer. People thought Carson Palmer was dead in the water. You know, I'm going back here a couple of years. So I don't think the volume is going to change much because that's what Arians does. Um, and I think in some ways Tom Brady's an upgrade for for um, for Godwin and a downgrade for for uh, Evans because you know if you're you're talking about one of the most prolific passing offenses like Arians offenses always are, and if you're assuming Godwin is the leading receiver, which I I am going to assume that. I still think he's going to be more of a possession type receiver, even if it's not in the slot. The ball's got to go somewhere. I don't see Gronk being a high volume guy. And yeah, maybe they'll run more 12 personnel, but I don't think they're going to run 12 personnel 100% of the time. And Arians is famous for saying, you know, tight ends are meant to block. So why is he going to change all of a sudden? I do think Gronk is going to be more of a red zone threat. But for an offensive score, it's going to score a ton of points. Because say what you want about Brady, he's older. I think he's lost some touch on the ball. Mm-hmm. But A, he never was the strongest arm quarterback. And B, you know, he doesn't have to deal with the cold weather. He's playing in Tampa. And Brady, say what you want, it's a very, very accurate passer. So he'll be able to get him the football. He'll, he's still going to, you know, have that lead possession receiver. And I think that guy's going to be Godwin. And therefore, I have him inside my top five. 
So what's funny about that is, um, I don't know if you know, I'm a Patriots fan. I'm a lifelong Patriots fan. So I, I feel like I know Brady more than a lot of other people. And Brady's, and this could be something, could be nothing. It, it's kind of similar to what I talked about with Matt Ryan before with the every other year thing. So Brady's, uh, Brady does not play well in the hot weather. For whatever reason, Brady plays so well when it's in the cold. And there was a stat about his record in hot games. I think it was like games over 80 or 90 degrees. He was like two and eight or something. So I think a lot of, a lot of those games, though, were in Miami. Like, if you come yeah. from the, here's the thing. You come from the cold weather place and you go to Miami where it's like 90 degrees and you're wearing pads. Like, people don't realize as bad as the Dolphins are, Miami's a very, very tough place to play mm-hmm. if you're not from there because the heat – is absolutely scorching. So, yep. eh, I don't and know about that. You have a track record of losing to Miami in Miami, mm-hmm. too. So, could be attributed mm-hmm. to that. Still doesn't play well in the heat. Hopefully, he adjusts to it better. But I like what you said about the 12 personnel because um, I think last year, I forget what team it was that ran the most 12 personnel in the league. I think it was the Vikings. And they ran, I think, they were the team who ran it the most. And they had like 38%. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, even at worst, it's. Chris Godwin will still have a good amount of opportunities in the slot. So that's a good point on that, too. All right, so next couple of guys here, uh, like A-Rob, DJ Moore, Amari Cooper, Cooper Cup, Mike Evans. So I'm going to start with A-Rob here, uh, Allen Robinson. He had he was third in targets last year, and his situation really only got better, right? I mean, even if it's not a huge quarterback upgrade, and let's say Nick Foles doesn't play all that well either, the best quarterback of the two is going to be on the field. And Allen Robinson did what he did last year with Mitch Trubisky. So you're either getting a better Trubisky or you're getting Nick Foles, who's playing better than Trubisky. So in my eyes, Allen Robinson can't lose at the quarterback position. And some people say he's a little – I had someone tell me he's overrated, right? But there's a a friend of mine, Matt Harmon, right? He does this thing called Perception Perception. He tracks how each receiver does against certain coverage types. And Allen Robinson ranked the highest in the league. Uh, for his uh, his win percentage against man coverage, basically meaning he's the best one-on-one receiver in the NFL last year. So, um, I mean, all, all good things for Allen Robinson. Not too much else to say other than I, I have him eighth. He could definitely be way higher if he had. Let's if we put him into that perfect situation, like Aaron Rodgers being the quarterback in New Orleans, given Allen Robinson, that'd just be a gold situation. But unfortunately. He has Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. So uh, what's, give me a little bit about Allen Robinson. I saw an interesting stat the other day. I almost felt like he was starting to get overrated, not in the sense that he's really overrated, but, like, mm-hmm. he's been getting so much hype. He's been getting so much hype that he's underrated that it's almost starting to feel like he's overrated. <laughs> I know you're talking but, about. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody's got him as a sleeper. So when everybody says you're a sleeper, you're no longer a sleeper. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Or when everybody says you're a great value, you're no more longer a great value. But um, I saw an interesting stat. I don't – again, you, you said it earlier, I'm not a stats guy. So it's either like 44% or 48%. That's how much he played in the slot, which is crazy if you think about it because they have Tariq Cohen – They have Anthony Miller. They like putting those tight ends in the slot. And Allen Robinson still played about at least 44%. It was either 44 or 48, I don't remember, in the slot. And then I thought about that because I watched quite a few Bears games, and I saw they moved him around quite a bit. So I love teams that take their best player 
and put their best players in the best position to succeed. Because not everybody does that. If you're an outside receiver, they'll keep you outside. You know, like Adam Gates did that with Robbie Anderson. It was like, they would just chuck it. If he, he either got a 60-yard play, then he get shit. So I like that. When you have a coach that's willing to move their best player around and give them the type of targets, like you just mentioned, he was third in the league in targets, mm-hmm. you can't fail with that type of you know, um, backing from your coach, from your quarterback. So even as bad as Trubisky was, they were still feeding him. They were still feeding him. And like you said, uh, Nick Foles, not the best quarterback, but he's still an upgrade. And as long as the targets are there and you can get a little upgrade, I don't see how, uh, how Allen Robinson doesn't finish, you know, top 10 once again. Yeah. And I mean, even if you look back to his notorious 2015 season with Blake Bortles, mm-hmm. <laughs> then on top of that, uh, you know, Chase Daniels came in for a game last year, and he just he did like 20-plus points in that game. So uh, definitely a lot to like about Robinson. Now, where, where do you have Robinson? Do you have him in your top 10? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I think I had him like eight or something like that. Yeah. I think we might have had him in the same spot. But uh, the other thing, too, is Allen Robinson, similar to Galladay, he's very good. And this is probably why because he's got a quarterback like Mr. He's very good at contested catches. I yep. noticed that. Like, he'll – He's not even open, and he'll just—he's got very long arms, very, very good at catching the catch radius. balls. Yes, sick catch radius. He does. <laughs> it reminds me of a new rookie that I've coming in in New York. It's Denzel Mims. I mean, if I yeah. watch some tape on him, his catch radius is insane. Just like anywhere yeah. in like a four-foot radius, they just go for yeah. Let's so, see how Adam Gates ruins him now. You what? I said, let's see how Adam Gates uh, figures out a way to ruin oh, Denzel Mims. He's going to fuck him up. That's what I'm worried about. Um, so next we have DJ Moore. I have him ninth. I, I've, I've been so flipped on him. I don't know whether to put him higher, lower. I see one stab puts me down on him. One other stab gives me higher. But he's got the upside. He's got a decent target share. Obviously, CMC is going to keep defenses honest. You have Robbie Anderson on the other side, which you could give him better coverage. But then it's first-year offensive coordinator, first-year head coach, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, who hasn't been a week one starter since 2015. So, um, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater did play last year. I'm not ignoring that fact. But point being, he, he did do well. I don't know. It, it's a lot of new, right? And I, this can't really be an issue for a guy like CMC because he's going to see crazy volume nonetheless. And even if DJ Moore sees a good amount of volume, it, it's about can Teddy get him the ball? He's not typically a deep ball thrower. So... Um, I am a little worried about DJ Moore, but at the same time, you love that upside. He's a talented player. He doesn't need a high target share to be effective. And uh, if the offense does work, if Joe Brady's offense works with Matt Rule, then he could be a top five guy. But it's it still adds risk nonetheless. So what, what's uh, give me a little bit on DJ Moore here, too. I mean, I don't really see it as any risk. Um, he's either going to be a low wide receiver one or a top five wide receiver one. I mean, I don't see DJ Moore, even though I might have him outside my top 10, but uh, I mean, worst case is like 13 or something. Here's why, though. Say what you want about Teddy, but I want to compare Teddy right now to Tom Brady, not in the sense that Teddy's as good as Tom Brady. He's not. But Teddy doesn't have the strongest arm, uh, but he's very accurate with the football. Yeah, pretty accurate quarterback, and he showed me a lot. Like, a lot of people don't realize this. Even though it's a small sample size, in five games with New Orleans, he was a QB1 in points per game. 
So now you bring him into Carolina, and they have a plethora of weapons. That's why I'm comparing him to Brady, who's more of just like a pinpoint passer. Got Godwin, got Evans. He's got more. You mentioned Robbie Anderson. They got Curtis Samuel. They got, you know, um, CMC. Thomas, Thomas CMC. is okay. And then you add the, the fact that that Carolina defense is arguably the worst in the league. I mean, they weren't even that good last year, and they lost everybody, including their, their captain. It's so funny. Um, they went all defense the whole entire draft. They didn't draft a single offensive player. I mean, that's <laughs> a good it. idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> and then the last reason I like DJ Moore is because I have a feeling this guy, Joe Brady, might be the next – you know, everybody says Sean McVay. I hate that <laughs> term, but I think he's the next young offensive guru. Uh, uh, I like what he said. He's like, my job is to get my best players the ball and put yep. them in the best position to win. I'm paraphrasing here. So I do think he's going to feed DJ Moore. And I think the game script is going to allow him to feed DJ Moore because, like I just mentioned, the Carolina Panthers. So I think DJ Moore is very safe, and I think he's got as much upside as arguably any wide receiver outside of Adams and Thomas in the league. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I am a little worried. I've heard mixed reviews about Joe Brady from LSU. Obviously, they had one of the best offenses, but I've seen some stuff about how he wasn't controlling the whole offense by himself. I believe, I forget who it was, but they had another uh, offensive coach there who's doing a lot of the play calling too. So it could have been that mix of the head coach as well. But, um, you know, I'm still not worried about it. Like you said, I love that quote, getting your best players the ball, because that's the easiest way to win. And you talked about that with Chicago and how they moved Allen Robinson around. Um, so they could definitely do something like that with more, too. Um, next couple guys here, Amari Cooper. I have Amari Cooper 10. I think it's a lot higher than a lot of other people. But when I look into it, I mean, he was technically the lead wide receiver in a pass-heavy Dallas offense last year. There's still going to be a pass-heavy offense this year with the influence of Mike McCarthy. C.D. Lamb's going to come in, but I don't think C.D. demands all that much as a rookie, especially with the lack of training camp, lack of OTAs. Uh, he hasn't really been on the field to create that chemistry with Dak. Um, and another thing with Amari Cooper last year, obviously he didn't do too well on the road, but Amari Cooper played through four injuries last year. He played through four. He would He had a foot sprain. An ankle sprain, a quad sprain, and a knee sprain. All in one year. I think it was like there was one injury preseason, week two, week six, week four. And then he played the whole entire year, didn't miss a single game. So uh, it was his also first full year with the team. First year offensive uh, coordinator, Kellen Moore. So going into next year healthy, I, I think there's room for – I talked about Gallup. We drafted Gallup in the throne. I, I love Gallup as a later option. But I think there's room for Cooper, Gallup, and CD to all thrive in this offense. Um, we brought up vacated targets before with the Falcons, and it's kind of a similar situation in Dallas. They had, between Randall Cobb and Jason Witten, I think there's 166 vacated targets. And I'll, I'll go back to what you mentioned. You know, that's not going to go to Amari Cooper, or Michael Gallup, whatever. But I think 166 is enough for a rookie wide receiver and Blake Jarwin, who already had targets last year, just stepping into a larger role. So um, I, I, I'd say that Amari is still in a good spot to succeed, and he still definitely has that top 10 upside, could be even higher, could definitely be lower with the struggles on the road. But um, I, I'm still in on Amari this year, especially where you're able to get him. I think it's like a third round, third. I've seen some people get him in the fourth round. So what's your feel on Cooper? Yeah, I wouldn't rank him that high just because I absolutely like you. Love Michael Gallup. I mean, Michael Gallup, I think, could be 
just as good, if not better. Like that's how much I like. I didn't even notice he had 1,100 yards last year, yep. and he missed some games. Um, so yeah, at Gallup, times I thought he had more targets per game. He had I think it was he missed two games and. He was on pace for 129 targets. Mark Cooper had 119 targets on the year. So, Gallup was targeted more. Yeah, and I felt like uh, when push came to shove and some of those tougher games, too, where Dak struggled, I saw him leaning more towards Gallup. So, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's crazy, you know, to think that Gallup can actually overtake Amari Cooper as a number one receiver. If we see another leap that he had – from his rookie year to last year, which was a big leap, and he was already pretty decent as a rookie. Mm-hmm. I think he could take another leap, and it's not crazy to me. So, and then you add the injuries. Like I don't know if, because I was reading up on his injuries too. I don't know if those are injuries that are just like you know that you could just get surgery and fix. Like it seemed like some of those injuries could be nagging uh, type issues where they didn't even know what the heck was wrong with him, especially before the season began. They were saying like, he wasn't getting better. They don't know what's going mm-hmm. on. So that's a big concern for me. I'm not going to put him over guys. Like we haven't talked about yet. Juju, DJ shark, hint, hint. Um, so, so yeah, uh, Amari Cooper is probably, you know, not, not there for me. Yeah, I, I can understand that. And even if Michael Gallup takes that second step, I think there's still plenty of room for, Amari Cooper to flourish as a wide receiver one, and they both could be wide receiver one. There's a world where they both are. Um, And what you said about the foot thing, I think that was the one. I think it was the foot um, entering the year. A lot of people had doubts. He dropped a lot in drafts, so people got him at a decent value. But, you know, from what I saw, all his injuries were listed as sprains. So unless a sprain is serious to the point where it needs surgical repair, and none of them were because he ended up playing the whole entire 16 games. It's just kind of nagging injuries over and over the whole season. So a healthy Mari Cooper could be a different story. But, you know, like they said, there is a world where maybe he takes a step back, Gallup takes a step forward. And I think if you're if you're talking about Dynasty, now would be a time to sell Cooper because I'm big on CD too. I think uh, after this year, CD could arguably be the number one. It could be number one and two with him and Gallup. Cooper could be phased out or traded I don't know how his contract situation is going to work. Yeah, he, just he actually only got one more year, I think. They could let him go, I think, Cooper? this year and next. So, yeah. I yeah, thought the they just they signed struct- him to, like, a... No, they did. They, they did, but the way they structured it, I don't know if you remember. I forgot who did something similar. I think the Niners did that with Kaepernick, where they, like, gave him big money, and they, but it wasn't really, like, guaranteed. So, I think they could get out either this year or next year. So, Cooper, I don't think he's in their long-term plans. Yeah, that'd be interesting, especially – I don't think they were planning on drafting CD either. He I think he no, kind of just fell into their lap. No. So, That's why. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't think – But then it's interesting to see the contract do. happen after CD, you know, because yeah. I think it technically would have been – Well, that's why. But that's why they, they gave themselves a nap. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So that, that'll be interesting to see how the Dallas wide receiver core shakes out after this year. Uh, next couple guys I have here, Cup, Woods, Evans – so Cooper Cup, he was your guy last year. Uh, it was his first year back after an ACL tear. He still tore it up. I think he had 10 touchdowns. He, he's still going to be a touchdown monster this year. Um, he's two years removed from that ACL tear, which is typically when players go back into their original form. So that's positive for him. And we talked about the slot, playing in the slot in 12 personnel. Even if the Rams want to use 12 personnel, the highest percentage last year. I, and I believe this was from Nick Ercolano, so I don't want to 
stealing one stats here, but I think it was the Vikings with like 38%. So even the highest team that did it was only 38%. I don't think the Rams are going to go higher than that. So Cooper Cup's still going to get plenty of time in the slot. And even if he's on the outside, he can still have just as much as much success as a guy like Robert Woods, who we'll talk about in a little bit, who really took advantage of 12 personnel in the second half of the year. He's still his go-to guy in the end zone. I have him 11th just because I don't know how that target share is going to shape out. What we saw from Robert Woods at the end of the year, what we saw from Cup at the end of the year was totally different than what we imagined in our heads. Like we see Cooper Cup as the number one top five guy. We see Robert Woods as like that background guy, but Robert Woods really came to life and Cup struggled a little bit. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I still have Cup higher than Woods just because of the talent. But, um, that, I mean, Jared Goff's still throwing the ball 40 times a game, and there's going to be plenty for everyone. So uh, tell me more about your guy from last year. Well, <laughs> Cooper Cup, it, it was almost like a tale of two cities, tale of two halves. Uh, first half of the year, he absolutely tore it up. He did okay the second half of the year because the touchdown saved him. He almost became really touchdown dependent. But mm-hmm. once Gerald ever. Um, or once the tight or once the Rams started paying 12-man personnel, yep. there was a couple of games where Cooper Cup I think had even games under 50% of the snaps, and that's when you saw Robert Woods take off. So he wasn't even playing on the outside; he was totally removed from that offense. Now I do think you know some of that was a matter of circumstance, but it is nevertheless a cause of concern because Cooper Cup wasn't really a high target share guy. Robert Woods is. And that's who Goff leaned on when, you know, they went to the 12 personnel. It was Woods and Higby. And then, you know, Cup was more like a red zone threat, almost like a tight end, you know, possession receiver, which is what he is anyway. But so it is a concern. But I do think at the end of the day, Cup was just too good not to be uh, highly involved with this offense. Brandon Cook left. Uh, what's that yep. other guy that got I'm not really impressed with? Um, Van Jefferson? The guy they no, drafted? Josh no, Reynolds? Oh, yeah, Ronald, he's nobody. So maybe they will, you know, put Cup in more 12 personnel and put him outside. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what the, the Minnesota Vikings did with Thielen. Thielen, a lot of people don't realize, Thielen only played the slot, I think, last year in the 30, 30-something percent of the yep. time, which is, you know, you wouldn't think. I, I think we have this preconceived notion that, you know, Thielen's only good because it's slot or whatever, but – the end of the day if you're good you're good and I, I i feel the same way about godwin like he doesn't need the slot to be good he came in this league as an outside receiver and i think cup is one of those guys he's gonna get his regardless but i do wonder if his upside's a little cap if they continue to go with the 12-man personnel like they did at the second half of last year absolutely and i i will go against your point there that uh adam thielen he said like if you're good you're good but he wasn't that good last year you know he didn't do all that great on the outside well he was injured though but he was injured injured. he was injured if you look at the games though he was balling he was balling and he was balling with a lot less targets than he had in years past because you know they had stefanski and he don't believe in throwing the ball at all and in the playoffs Thielen did great. I remember because I played him in DFS. He had a really big game against the Saints, I think it was. So I I think it's kind of like he just left a bad taste in our mouths because, you know, he got injured or whatever. And I think he did the same thing last year. He faded late. But Thielen had a very, very good year considering um, or at least when he played. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what his health is going into this year. I think it was the hamstrings that caught him last year. And those could be yeah. tough. Tough. Or what, uh, no, didn't he hit? Didn't he hit the 
the wall or something when he was going in the end zone. I oh, was it? Something like that. Or maybe maybe that. Called, I don't know. I, 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 I don't have Thielen in my top 15, so I didn't, I didn't do too yeah. much. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, next up, we talked about Chris Godwin before. No one will talk about Mike Evans a little bit. So Mike Evans has had 1,000 yards every single year of his career, including his rookie year. And I, I don't think that stops this year. But I do. I am going to put him down a little bit more because he is a big play guy, right? He's not. He's not a uh, every down type of guy like Godwin can be. Godwin's also a big play guy, which is why Godwin's so good because he could be a possession receiver and a big play receiver. But uh, the thing with Evans is like, you know, he's got a great catch radius. He can be that go-to guy in the end zone, and he could take any ball to the house. I mean, we saw with him and Winston. If Winston hit half his throws last year, Mike Evans could have been wide receiver two, wide receiver three. It was just, he was missing him on so many deep balls. Um, so, but I mean, obviously with a lot of mouths to feed, likely, even if the pass attempts go down a little bit, I, I, I'm expecting Evans going to be a weekly boomer bust type guy. Um, not a guy I want as my wide receiver one. If I can get him as wide receiver two, maybe, but it also depends. He's going in the second round and I don't think a lot of people are going wide receiver, wide receiver, this year especially. So um, I'm, I'm probably not going to be looking to draft Evans this year. If he slips to the third, I might have to take a chance on him just because of his upside. And if they are both playing on the outside, um, I think it's more of an even playing field than just having Chris Godwin in the slot. And not to say they can't move Mike Evans to the slot at all, but uh, I, I would say that Chris Godwin has become more of the one in that offense. So I'm not sure how I really feel about Evans from drafting him this year in the second round. Yeah, um, I think that's the biggest concern for me is going to be the consistency. Um, I don't see as they got so many mouths to feed because I think, you know, they're going to focus in on their primary receivers, Godwin and uh, Evans mentioned earlier. Bruce Arians is not very known for including his tight ends. I think that's going to be more uh, based on the red zone. But it's just Tom Brady hasn't been kind to outside receivers. You know, it's just that simple. I mean, we thought, you know, say what you want about Josh Gordon, but Josh Gordon is still a good player and he didn't really feature him. And I saw a lot of balls sail over Josh Gordon's head and Josh Gordon actually made some really nice throws that are really nice catches that weren't perfectly thrown balls to Brady. I think the, the passes, because this is where I feel like stats are misleading. I saw somebody, you know, put up a stat about Brady's deep ball. Right. And they said, well, you know, here's the stat, and it doesn't look like he's lost much on his deep ball because of this stat. But we also have to take into account that how much of this was schemed. Because I feel like a couple of those deep balls were like everybody was expecting, you know, a little dink and dunk to James yep. White or Julian Edelman. And this guy wide open. Set. Yeah, it was door set wide open, like not a defender in sight. Well, yeah, Tom Brady, if you're playing professional football, you could still hit a wide open receiver. Yeah. And it's not really. Here's, I remember one, a wise man once told me, arm strength is not determined whether you could throw the ball 40 or 50 yards downfield. It's really for those intermediate throws. Can you zip it in there 25 to 30 down the field? And I don't see Brady being able to do that, and that's usually Mike Evans' territory. So I do think he'll have his moments, but I, I don't think they're going to be as consistent as I would like from my wide receiver one. And that's probably why I might even have him outside my top 15. Interesting. Yeah, I, I could see him falling to that point. But at the same time, like Evans is also a very, very good talent. Um, and oh, we yes. saw even with Julian Edelman being that mean slot guy a couple of years back, Brandon Cook still had over a thousand yards in New England. Mm-hmm. 
So and um, I think he could have a year like yeah, that. I think he absolutely. could have a brand new Cooks type year, but I don't think he's going to be a top five wide receiver. Yeah, no, wide, I, I have him twelve. You know. We definitely both have him outside our top ten. I'm not expecting. Some people have him pretty high. And when the news first broke about twelve personnel, I was debating in my head between Evans and Godwin who I'd have higher. But I still, you know, Godwin's still the main guy there. So <laughs> coming close to the end here. What, what time are we at? 52 not bad not bad making some good time um so 13 i got robert woods um we talked about him a little bit before so there is a lot of opportunity being opened up with todd Gurley being gone brandon cooks being gone i don't think woods role is really in any danger at all um he's played i think more snaps than any other wide receiver in the team last year he's going to be that outside guy he was a wide receiver too in the second half of the year and that's most of the time in that spot, they were switching to 12 personnel. So he definitely took advantage of it. Like you said, he's possession receiver. And I think he only had two touchdowns last year. And he still was the wide wow. receiver, too, in that span. That's so crazy. the fact that he only had two touchdowns and he was still that good, I think if you improve the touchdowns, which is definitely possible, get it to like five, maybe six, right? You know, any kind of better year for Jared Goff just means Robert Wood's ceiling is just out of the world. So. Um, I have him a little lower just because we, we don't know if what we saw in the second half of that year was legit. I think he's a good player, absolutely. But like with a healthy Cooper Cup two years removed from the ACL, maybe he becomes the focal point. Maybe with both tight ends healthy, they get more involved. Uh, I think Jared Goff's still going to pass the ball like 40, whatever, 40 times a game. So he'll have a decent role and his upside is going to be up there. But he'll be a good week to week option. He can get you. It's, like he'll end up with like 15 points per game and be a great value as a wide receiver too. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I like Woods, but I just don't think he's as good as what we saw, you know, the second half of the yeah. year. It really, it really was his his production was correlated with the change to 12 personnel because he literally was the only guy that Brandon Cooks was hurt. Cup was off the field, so it was either Higby or Woods, Higby or Woods every single play. I can't imagine that happening again because if you look at the first half of the year, Woods was okay. You know, he was a good receiver, wide receiver too. I don't, I don't know the stats, but it wasn't until that 12 personnel. So I'm not going to trust that. Um, I, I would probably move him outside of my top 15 maybe because there's other players that I like. I think him and Evans are the two players that I would move maybe Amari out of there. <laughs> But those are the three that are that I that I kind of would go elsewhere with, and that's mainly because Robert Woods he's a good talent, but he's not an elite talent. Yep. And I you know I like to look at a player's track records, and it's a small sample size. Yeah, he was elite for the second half of the year, but the previous years before that he was just a solid wide receiver too, and I think he'll go back to being that solid wide receiver too. Yeah, and he even, I think he had uh, over 130 targets in uh, 2018 as well. And, you know, there's no indication that's going to change going into 2020. So um, I I think the best part about Woods is you're able to get him in the fourth, sometimes even fifth round. And that's a great spot to get him, especially because... He's not a sexy name. No, he's not a sexy name at all. We picked him in the throne. There was some... But I I still like him as a wide receiver, too. What happened? Oh, you guys got him in the throne? Yeah, he's our wide receiver, okay. too. Him, Julio, Gallup as our uh, starting three. Not bad. Not bad. So let's go on to number 14 here, A.J. Brown. So 
A.J. Brown has 1,000 yards as a rookie. Can't beat that. There are some minor red flags. Like, I think he had, like, 20 yards per catch, something crazy mm-hmm. like that. Um, he had some huge games. He had some not-so-huge games. And a lot had to go right for him to have the year he did. But, I mean, the 20 yards per reception, that just goes to show what kind of a player he is and how good he actually is. And with a little uptick in targets, uh, you know, Derrick Henry is still you – know, Ryan Tannehill at QB was huge for him in the second half of the year or whatever it was, like three-fourths of the year. I don't know how many it was on top of my head. But um, he, he could definitely see that second-year jump that we always talk about with these receivers. And another interesting thing, too, is um, – he, he's from Ole Miss, right? I don't want to. Uh, yeah, you play yeah, so him, him and DK from Ole Miss. They and don't Dawson have. Knox. And Dawson, there you go. Mm-hmm. But um, thank you. So uh, they don't have that much of an expanded route tree in Ole Miss, and that's something we saw with DK Metcalf last year. I think every time DK Metcalf lined up, it was on the left side of the field, and he just runs straight down the field and catch the ball. Like it wasn't. He didn't have much of a route tree at all. And that's where I think with any improvement with that, they can move A.J. Brown around a little more. They can move him more into the slot. They can have him play outside, maybe some trick plays. And once they start moving him around a lot more, it could really help his value too. So even if he doesn't get more targets, even if the targets don't go up that much because it is still a run-heavy offense, um, I I do think that A.J. A.J. Brown still has a lot of room for improvement. I have him a little lower. Just because, like I said, those red flags, if he doesn't get that uptick in targets, if he doesn't, you know, a lack of an offseason program, if he doesn't expand that route tree, he could still be that big game dependency type guy. But um, still, I believe in the talent. Like you say, talent over everything. That's a fantasy rapper's right. phrase. Hey. But, um, you know, point being, I think there's still room for A.J. Brown to grow. He could definitely be a top five guy. That's not a doubt in my mind. It's just better to err on the side of caution. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um I definitely think the targets will go up, though, because his targets did go up in the second half and they were using him, you know, in in a variety of ways. I even saw them do like a couple of end arounds and screens. And, you know, once Adam Humphreys got hurt, who was originally playing the slot, they put him not so much in the slot, but he had a couple uh, plays out of the slot as well. And uh, I wouldn't be shocked, like you mentioned, if they, you know, expand on that. And the reason I like A.J. Brown is still a running team. I don't love Tannehill, but um. Um, he has no competition. Like, Corey Davis is nobody. Tay Sharp is nobody. John O'Smith is super overrated. Um, Adam Humphreys, I mean, so I think, you know, he's going to, he could get the targets just based on the fact that they don't really have that much and they know what they got with A.J. Brown and you could use him in a variety of ways. So I don't expect the 20 yards per catch that to continue, but I do expect the targets to make up for that. Absolutely. And I, I had a little reaction there because I've been a Corey Davis truther for quite some time. And it's it's so hard to see him fail. And I mean, like he, he's still playing at a decent level. He was injured all of last year. But, um, you know, he's had some good plays against like Stefan Gilmore. He had that one handed catch. I still believe in his talent for the future. Obviously, this is all A.J. Brown show. I'm just hoping he can get traded, move on to a better situation. Maybe he'll flourish. I, I just have this. Corey Davis love just deep down into my heart. So I'm hoping he can succeed at one point. But the worst thing you could do in fantasy, you got to cut your losses, man. Yeah. I Dante Pettis at one point, but I cut that motherfucker <laughs> off. 
<laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to move on, but let's go, let's go to 15 <laughs> before I start crying. Um, so Calvin Ridley, he's my 15th guy. I, you probably have him a little higher, right? I, you know, this is. I know you don't okay. do rankings. Uh, I know you do. No, tears. no, I do. I do rankings. I, I do rankings just because people like them. I'm not really a fan <laughs> of them. But, but here's the thing about Ridley. I feel like, I feel like Ridley, uh, AJ Brown, um, uh, DJ Moore, all those guys are so similar because their upside is like top five to ten. But they're so similar, so something's got to give. You know what I'm saying? So I think when it comes to Ridley, to DJ Moore, to Cooper Cup, to Adam Thielen, all these guys, AJ Brown, even, you know, Corlin Sutton, there's a world where Corlin Sutton could be in that mix or Stefan Diggs. It's, it's, it's hard, you know, because they're all so similar. So I think that patch of receivers is just going to be very few points separating all of them. But I, but I love Ridley. I love Ridley because, A, you mentioned Dirk. Cotter, passing offense, he's talented, and he's a tremendous route runner. He is yep. such a good route runner, so great at creating separation. And if Julio finally breaks down, i got to be right one of these years, then, you know, sky's the limit for this guy. The only thing with Calvin Ridley, I don't know if I'm ever going to see him because he's not the biggest receiver, so I don't know mm-hmm. if he's ever going to be that target hog like some of these other guys, but... Really, you know, he could be anywhere from like top ten to fifteen range for me. I, I'm gonna be juggling these guys all off yeah. season, I'm sure. You just I, I have too. I've had these guys in all different numbers leading up to this point as well. And I'm sure it's gonna change in the future too. But um some some about really I talked about vacated targets before. Uh, another thing I wanna mention is sixty seven percent catch rate, which is uh, relatively high. I mean if the league average I think was like sixty four percent completion for quarterbacks, so Six, above average catch rate for him. Uh, he's a good route runner, as you talked about. Great route runner. And he, he's kind of kind of reminds me of Cooper Cup as like that slot tight end, uh, that slot touchdown guy. I mean, Matt Ryan always looks for Ridley in the slot. I think Ridley has has had more touchdowns than Julio in the last two years. So uh, I'd expect Ridley to get some good red zone looks. And with some more volume, I mean, let's say if he gets 20 – or so more targets, which could definitely be even more than that. He could be this year's Chris Godwin. You know, he yeah. could be that breakout candidate. He and definitely can. I, I'm not, I'm not on the the wagon of uh, Julio breaking down just yet. But there is a world where that happens, and if it does, then Calvin Ridley could definitely be easily a top five wide receiver one. So, yeah, I think I think we're both on the same page with Ridley. Now we we have a couple more guys. And I'm going to let you take the floor for these two. DJ Shark, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, forgive me if I'm forgetting anyone else. It's just those two guys, right? I'm feeling maybe two. Um, but definitely, I mean, for sure, I got DJ Shark and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster in my top 10, let alone top 15. So we, we talked about Juju a lot. Tell me a little more about why you're in love with Juju this year. I just think he's super talented. I think people... You know, his only game with Ben last year, I think he had 80-something yards, I don't know, seven, eight receptions, I don't know. And that was against Stephen Gilmore, shadowed him the whole game. Stephon? That's his floor. Sta- I'm sorry, Stephon. Okay. Stephon Gilmore. I'm <laughs> sure so I don't get confused. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so 
Juju is going to get his targets. Before Ben got hurt, he led the league in passing. Pittsburgh, or pass attempts, he had 5,000 yards, one out of five players. And I think this Antonio Brown stuff is so overstated. And by the way, Deontay Johnson, this kid is a future star himself. So it's not like they can just be like all over Juju and then forget about Deontay Johnson because he'll tear him a new one. You still have to respect James Conner. Ebron is very respected amongst defenses as well. So it's not like they could just the whole defense is going to key in on Juju. Not to mention Chase Claypool, that six foot five guy they just drafted. I think, I think he's more of a project, but yeah, maybe he. Could yeah, I mean, you just stick well. him in the red zone. You you have him and Ebron together. You have no choice but to like. Yeah. You know, you got to. You can't just ignore one of those guys. Sure, sure. So, I mean, you can't just say a guy that had fourteen hundred yards receiving over a hundred receptions. <laughs> All of that was due to Antonio Brown. No, because I saw Juju play, and there was just games where he just looked unstoppable. And even with those bad parts, they just didn't make it their business to get Juju the ball. It's basically what it was. And he still had his moments against the Ravens. I remember there was one play he went up against. Who's the Ravens' star corner? They got a Marlon Humphrey. Uh, or Marlon Marcus Humphreys. He scored on, uh, yeah, he scored on Marlon Humphreys on a short. But, like, Juju is special. And with Ben back, the targets, he's going to get a ton of targets out of the slot. I think Juju is a slam dunk top five as long as Ben's healthy. So absolutely love Juju. Uh, contract year two, and I think he's going to come back more focused than ever because, you know, you hear that stuff as a, as a player, and people have just totally been shitting on him. I think it's preposterous. So I, I, I'm definitely on board with the um... – with the whole Antonio Brown thing, he could 100% succeed without Antonio Brown there. He, he has done it in the past. If you look at his um, games without Brown, he still did just fine. So I'm on board with that. And even last year, Juju did lead the team with the highest target share uh, per game. So even with all those other guys seeing looks, Juju was the most targeted receiver on that team. I, I guess for me, like, I know there's going to be a lot of people who just got hurt too bad by Juju last year who want to avoid him this year. But at the same time, I don't know where Big Ben is in terms of his health, right? And, I mean, he I think it was his shoulder. That it was, was it shoulder or wrist? Or, some, something about his throwing. Or ben thumb. Was, I, thought it was, I think it was his thumb or his wrist. or I don't think it was his shoulder, though. Let me just make sure I have the right information here. Uh, so it was his right elbow, his throwing elbow. Uh, elbow, okay. Yeah. So that's a big one. It's about your throwing motion. Um, I don't know. I don't know where he's at in his recovery. He apparently seems good, but he, he like just started throwing the football. Check this like, out. Right. Since we've been talking about all these like superstitious, hypothetical, everything. Okay. I feel like Big Ben kind of falls into that. Like, he gets hurt every other year, and you think he's done. And then he comes back, and he just big Ben all over again. I mean, the guy went publicly and said he had an obsession with porn or something. Yeah. That sounds to me like a changed man. Like, he's letting, you know, <laughs> he's clenched himself. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, I don't know. I think Big Ben could do it. It's, you see, I'm very... You know, people know me as, like, the injury guy. I avoid all That's why I don't like Julio. That's why I don't do no injuries. Gurley or anybody. Melvin Gordon, he's got it. But I think it's different when it comes to quarterbacks. 
How many times do quarterbacks get injured? And how many times have they busted after an injury? Tom Brady's had major surgery. Drew Brees. I mean, I, I can't remember a time where a quarterback had a major injury and came back and stunk up the place. I can't remember. Can you? Cam. Um, I mean, the jury's still <laughs> out on him. But but here's the thing, though. Here's the difference with Cam. Cam relied on his athleticism and his running ability. It's true. That's different. When you're 30 years old and you're taking those type of shots after your body's already taken a decade worth of those shots, that's totally different. So, I mean, Ben has taken his share of shots, too. I mean, but, but still, Ben doesn't rely on the running. Ben can throw the football. So with that said, I think Ben um, is going to come back stronger, better than ever. And yes, that's the only little bit of risk, if there's any, when it comes to Juju, because we saw what Mason Rudolph and this other guy, Duck, look like. I forget his name. So, Duck Hodges, yeah. Um, yeah, Duck Hodges. So, so yeah. So, but, um, yeah, and I, I can get behind that. And I, I guess for me, it really is the injury. I'm going to have to talk to some doctors or something. My my good buddy, Fantasy Docs, I'm going to have to have a conversation with him and the elbow. Because if Big Ben does miss more time, then you get the same juju you got last year. And that's just not worth uh, – definitely not a top five guy. Definitely uh, – and, and I don't have juju that much lower either. And a lot of it's just because there's so many wide receivers I like too, right? Like I could easily see with – if you told me Big Ben was playing 16 games and he was – gonna play well i'd have juju easily in my top 10 but um it, it's more on ben i have juju i think 16th so he just just missed the cut for me and there's just a lot of other guys i like too so uh I, i'm not totally out on juju and the other guy you want to talk about dj chark and i, I can really get behind this one because i am huge on Minshew. Mm. oh wait okay you have a backup quarterback okay uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm not drafting Minshew. I was sitting here. I was like, I thought about him. I thought about. I thought about him. I thought about getting him. You know, if he was one of. But I mean, Minshew is in the same category as like, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, Joe Burrow. Uh, it just so happened that Dimes. Like, I had no intention of picking a backup quarterback in the 12th round. I had no intention of picking a starting quarterback in the third round. That was pushed by my followers. I was cool with it because that 3.5 felt like Lamar was a, a value, but I'm not a typical. And I, if I would have known that, honestly, like I would have much rather Juju was also available. That's where I really wanted, but I was cool with Lamar. So imagine our team now with Juju and then we still got a quarterback like Danny Dines and then we could have came back and got a Teddy B or Joe Burrow or your yeah. guy Minshew. But um, with that said, uh, yeah, Minshew is an interesting guy. Um, he what didn't about really Chark, look. How Chark do yeah, yeah, well, Shark is kind of related, but but here's the thing. So Shark, a lot of people don't realize this, and it's 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 crazy because we have such recency bias. Mm-hmm. Um, and because Shark didn't end the best, yeah. you know, he's now a fifth round pick. So which is great for me. But Shark was a was a wide receiver one the whole year, well through week eleven I think, until he got injured. He got injured and he did he did what a lot of young players do. He rushed back. When he rushed back, he wasn't the same guy. That's what my eyes tell me. 
and then he ended up being just outside of wide receiver one. Well, he's a year older. Minshew is no longer a rookie. And Minshew looks like one of those guys that's a gamer. He looks like he's, he's the underdog. He's studying hard. Everything I've read about Minshew, I like where he's going. Not only that, but you bring in Jay Gruden. Look what Jay Gruden did to a similar receiver like Terry McLaurin, who's got the Jets. I think Sharks just as fast, if not faster. And he's 6'4". So he's a freak, an athletic freak, who was a wide receiver one all the way up till he got injured. Now, Minshew's a year older. He's a year older. You bring in Jay Gruden, who loves to feed his wide receivers. They got no competition. I want to hear about Chenault or Chris. Forget about that, Jay. He's got clear chemistry with Minshew, and their defense sucks. So it's like a perfect storm. Talent meets opportunity with Jay Gruden. Shitty defense. They're going to throw a lot. I think Shark is easily a wide receiver one. Uh, I love him. Absolutely love him. Yeah, and you were able to land him in the throne too, which I'm sure you're happy about. Imagine if you were able to get uh, Galladay, Juju, and Shark. I feel like you'd be pretty happy. And Slayton. And Slayton. (laughs) And with Danny Dines. Yeah, it would have been perfect, man. But then we would have went undefeated. It would have been no fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so we almost did last year, so uh, it's not impossible. But I, I could definitely get behind that, and I'm a huge fan of Minshew just because he, he's he's everything you want in a quarterback. He can, I mean, for a fantasy quarterback, nonetheless, he can rush the ball easily. You know, he's a good rusher. He's accurate. He had a high completion percentage. I think he's like one of the highest for rookies. Um, he had a great touchdown to interception ratio. And then he's going into this year two. And last year, he was a sixth-round rookie, right? Mm. This isn't one of those first, second-round, highly respected guys. He was a sixth-round rookie who was kind of rushed into this situation. So a whole another year of preparation. Um, he's still an accurate – he's like – he could have a Blake Bortles but with more accuracy type year. Like in 2015, Blake Bortles had that crazy year with Allen – Hearns, Allen Robinson, mm, that's a good and he comparison. was, I think, he was like a top five, top ten quarterback. Gardner Minshew could easily have that type of year, and obviously with that comes value in other places like DJ Shark. So I, I agree, Shark is one of those guys who's being undervalued. I might have to move him up even about talking, uh, even with talking to you a little bit about him. So uh, I, I am a fan of Shark. There's just so many guys. I feel like there's so many wide receivers I like this year. It's Hard to put them all in numbered order and have. And even one not, of the guys we just mentioned, Terry McLaurin. Yeah. I mean, I love Terry McLaurin. Uh, if Haskins wasn't his quarterback, I'd probably have him a lot higher. Yeah. But, I mean, Haskins, even in the offseason, he's been putting in a ton of work, too. He's lost a ton of weight. He's been accurate with his deep balls. You've seen him practicing mm-hmm. with some of these guys. I don't get caught but up that with offensive that. Line, you know, there's still a lot of questions. Not only that, that, bro. Like, those guys, there's a lot of guys that look good with no pads. But then you put them under the bright lights and you put some pads on them and all of a sudden they don't know what the hell to do. You know, Jamarcus Russell had a great combine. That, <laughs> that tells you all you need to know. You know what I'm saying? Like. All right, well, gotta, at the end of the day, you gotta you gotta play football. You gotta line them absolutely. up. Absolutely. So, thank you so much for coming on with me. It was a blast. Had a lot of fun. Thanks it wasn't the usual me. upper hand, but it was great. You know, you're. Uh, I don't know if I want to play my rebound, but um, <laughs> had a good time. <laughs> Damn. I'm your side piece. Side I'm piece. your booty call. Your main but main I might call. have to call you again. I don't know. But. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, we had a good time. We're just playing around. Um, if you guys aren't already following us, uh, fantasy rapper, you changed to fantasy football rapper, right? Yeah, fantasy football rapper. Yeah, I had to rebrand a little bit. <laughs> so he's fantasy football rapper on Instagram, uh, fantasy.football.analyst. And um, apologize if rapper's audio is a little soft. I made sure I was quiet when he was talking. It shouldn't be that much of an issue at all. You guys should still be able to hear it, but. Just wanted to give a heads up to that. So um, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you again, rapper. All right, bro. Good way to end it.